beginning of the year 2009, first Sunday, and studies and traditions show that oftentimes, you know, people that have not been at church all last year, they show up. You know, the first Sunday or make sure they come in January is I'm going to start my year off right. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but yet that's just how we are. I know this new year came in, I, I said to myself, I want to start this year off right. You know, it's something new that when you say happy new year, you start thinking, hmm, new opportunities. Uh, another chance to do better this year. Uh, maybe another semester to build up my grades for messing up last semester. Or, or maybe another opportunity to get that raise I didn't get last year. Or maybe another opportunity for me to move forward in my career. I've I got a longer time now. It's the beginning of the year. I'm going to start off right. And I, I want to deal with a series about staying in the race. How many times we start off well, but we don't finish well. We start out where I have great intentions, but the intentions don't follow with discipline. I heard someone say that good intentions are the stairway to hell. I, I intended to do. I intended to go. I intended to, but yet yeah, I never did. There's a lot of people that have good intentions, but not good results. I, I want you to hear about some people that have some good intentions and think about what they have in common. Marion Jones, Ben Johnson, Saul, Pete Rose, President Nixon. They all begin well, but they didn't finish well. They all won at one point, but then they were disqualified. We see, just as Marion Jones received a lot of credit, a lot of goals, now they don't count. For she was found to be cheating. Uh, president Nixon was his presidency, but then they said, nah, we're going to get rid of him. So he quit because they found him cheating. Ben Johnson shocked everybody. Carl, Carl, Carl Lewis was shocked himself. He was telling everybody, I'm going to break the record. Can't nobody beat me. And Carl was calling cheat, cheat. <laughs> Before anybody else, he said, could nobody beat me. I know I, I trained. I, I know I was better than him. And to this day, Carl Lewis still say, ha ha, I'm better than Ben. And Ben today is still say he's faster than Carl Lewis. But yet he was found disqualified for using steroids. Pete Rose, in the history books, in baseball, as the greatest hitter of all time. But he'll not see the Hall of Fame. Because he broke the one rule that baseball enthusiasts treasure. You don't gamble on the game. And since he's broken that golden rule in baseball, they won't let him even come near. He, 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 he can't even just come. He, for one moment in time, they suspended him from being here on any baseball stadium. It was that bad to them that he was poisoned. He was found disqualified. Saul. Yeah, I threw a Bible care to throw y'all off a little. Saul. Yes, Saul. Saul was chosen to be king. Chosen by God. Started off well, but when he chose to go the wrong way, God disqualified him, disqualified his family from being king. Everybody can start off running, 
But not everybody may end the race. Everybody runs the race to win, but not everybody wins. I want us to look in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. We're going to go down to verse 24 and read through verse 27. But as you get into your Bible and look into this letter from Paul to Corinth, Paul opens up the letter letting them know that I preach Christ and him crucified. There were some situations going on in this church about, about the unity and the body of Christ. And so Paul let them know that it's all about Christ. And, and then Paul has to defend his ministry. And, and, and so this is in a place in the Bible that you can see how it talks about how a minister ought to be paid from the ministry because Paul was defending himself to them. But yet Paul let them know that I did not make you pay me because it was my choice. But yet I still was serving for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul said, I did all of this so that God will gain the glory. And I want you to really grab how Paul is really more in, in, is, is focusing more on his ministry, more in focus on how he looks to Christ than how he looks to man. And I want to deal with the thing, not being DQ'd, not being disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9th chapter, verse 24 to 27 from the King James Version says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself be cast away or rejected or disqualified. In this text, Paul has an imperative in here. And the imperative that he points out is run in such a way to win. And the imperative, when you give an imperative, it means it's important. <laughs> and so he's driving home the point that you should run in such a way to win. Paul is defending his ministry. And he's saying, I, I want you who have heard me preach to even understand what I am saying here. So let me use an illustration in your game. Just as I use the illustration that we know. We know the name of Marion Jones. We know the name of President Nixon. We know the name of Ben Johnson and Pete Rose. We, we might have heard these names or know of these names or know of these situations. But are you aware, as in Corinth, that they had games that happened every two years called the Isthmus Games? And the Isthmus Games was, was just as big as the Olympics, if not even bigger. For this game happened every two years in Corinth. And Corinth was a better place to be because there was a lot of pleasure going on in Corinth. And so it was, a, it was like the happening place. It would be like Las Vegas. And so Paul was aware of these games, for he has visited them and he knows of these games. And in these games, they would get into a stadium. And in the stadium, they would take up many games of, of running, boxing, and wrestling. 
and those who would get into the game, they would have to make a vow to Zeus that they would train for 10 months to be ready for the race. And in so, they had a strict diet. Just as if you ever play a sport and they give you a contract, they give you a contract of saying you can play this sport if you obey this contract. That's why in some major athletes have in their contract, you can't ride a motorcycle. Because if you ride a motorcycle, you get hurt, you'll be disqualified. There's athletes who have rode motorcycles and had to pay millions of dollars back to the company because they broke their law. Many of you might understand maybe this, that you have a contract at your job. You sign, you will obey their conduct. And as soon as you break their conduct, they will fire you because you have been found disqualified for the job. And so people were aware because this race to them was majorly important to them, sort of like soccer is to every other country but America. America does not care about soccer, but other countries Soccer is their only sport and their major sport. Some countries of soccer, they would live and die for that sport. They will fill the stadiums like never before. Because it meant that much. That's what the Isthmus game was to corn. So Paul was driving something home to them and something of value to them. Or maybe in Japan, like sumo wrestling. Some of you might be familiar about these sumo wrestlers in Japan. And, and these men are walking gods almost. They worship these men. These men are, are, are as royalty for what they do. It's very sacred to them, and they respect them, and there's a lot of honor in it. And if somebody's found cheating, they will defend it because of the honor of the sport. Just as a mother would defend a child because how much they love the child. These people in Corinth love these instruments. And so Paul is driving home and says, look here, you know everybody runs the race, but not everybody wins. He says, so you run in such a way to win. Looking at what he's saying, run in such a way to win, to run with purpose. If you want to not be disqualified, you have to run with purpose. You have to run knowing why you're running. You have to run knowing where the finish line is. You have to run knowing where the start line is. But before you run, you have to prepare yourself to run. I think about Hussein Bolt. How this man prepared himself to run. And Jamaica didn't even recognize him as a star athlete. It was someone else. I can't remember his name because he didn't win. Is that amazing? How when you don't win, your names are forgotten. But this young man, this young man, he, he, I forgot how old he is, but he's, he's barely in his 25. He's just young. He's just a young teenager was setting his stuff on fire. He came to set the world record and nobody, and everybody knows who he is now. And the thing is this, that he knew his goal was just to win the race when they interviewed him. How's it feel in the world race? He said, I was just happy to win the race. He ran with a purpose to win. But since he ran with such a determination, with such a purpose, he broke the record. What is your goal? What do you have in vision for 2009? What's your vision for your family? What's your personal vision? What's your goal on your job? Have you set a high enough goal? Are you working towards it? And you too might just break a record. Think about Obama. He started out just being a community developer. And then, and then he started teaching. And then he decided to run for Senate. He did not see himself being president now. 
they asked him some years ago about running for presidency. He says, no, that would be Hillary Clinton. Because why? She was the well-known name. She was the front runner. But Obama said, I see her being there. But no, no, no. It was him that was to finish the race. You see here that when you just begin something, you just, if you keep on pushing, you keep on something, you might shock yourself. Too many times we begin a race not willing to finish. But if you run in such a way to win, then he says, look, those who compete in the races, those who compete in the race, everybody that competes, whether you're the wrestler, the boxer, they all discipline their bodies. But some do it for a corruptible crown, a perishable crown. But we discipline ourselves for one that will not perish. You see, let's bring it down here. That when you run with a purpose in mind, you will run with discipline. Because you know what your purpose is and you know that shortcuts just won't get you there. Shortcuts may get you there, but it won't keep you there. Ask President Nixon. Ask Ben Johnson. Ask Marion Jones. They all like to change how things happen now because how they look now. But at the time, they thought they would not be caught. At the time, they thought they could get away with it. And that's the same thing how we are, that at the time, we're cheating. At the time, we're lying. At the time, we're taking shortcuts and being lazy. We think we're just going to get away with it. But I want you to understand, there'll be a time where you'll be called out. And you will be shown out to be a fake or a lie. You see that when we go under tra- tests and trials in our lives, it will only prove your character. Your character is consistent of who you are, rather you are consistent or not. <laughs> it's going to show out one way or another. If I lie, when you don't see me pretty soon, you're going to catch me in a lie. If I cheat, when you don't see me pretty soon, you're going to catch me when I'm cheating. It's going to happen some way or another because you can't be inconsistent every day of your life and lie the other time. You can't just be one way and lie the other way. It's going to show up. We see it here in the text that even, even, even here that he said run in such a way to win. Run with purpose. Run with discipline. They seen here that break down another sport. Paul talks about boxing, and how many here have seen boxing before? You anybody seen boxing before? Boxing is such a violent sport, is it not? But I love it. I love the sweet science of the pugilists. I just love boxing. And, and, and if I'd have asthma, I might be a boxer myself. If I could, if I could go twelve rounds, you know, because uh, uh, you can ask Brother Joel. He know how tough it is to get trained because he done, he, done, he done went out to the place where I go to train. And I went this when I was six years old. And he's asking, has it always been that rough? He said, it was worse when I was there. Sister Hernan could let you know because with me and Ray, we be getting in trouble. We come back sore. Acting up a fool. We just doing things of punishment. We have to hold your arms out for the whole day because you didn't want to listen. Next thing you know, my shoulder's bigger than everybody else. Next time I know I'm in gym doing more pull-ups than everybody else. I'm doing more sit-ups than everybody else. Why? Because through the discipline I gained from that, prepare me to excel in whatever else I, I, I focused in. And from that, it helped me build up my lung capacity and my asthma from this discipline. You see, in the boxing 
in the discipline of boxing, they have to train themselves. And you train yourself by hitting a heavy bag. And when they hit the heavy bag, it helps build up those muscles so that when they fight someone that may be bigger than them, stronger than them, they have enough power to move something. But if they're boxing in the air, they're gaining nothing. If somebody swings and misses, that's wasted energy. When you hit something, no matter what it is, have you, anybody ever headbutted somebody before? And you wonder why that other person, you, and you initiated it, and it was on accident maybe. But you initiated it, and they hurt, and not you? Because your kinetic energy prepared yourself to hit whatever you was going to hit so that it hit it worse, and you was able to receive the energy back that it dissipated throughout your body so you did not have as much of a bruise. It's amazing how it works. Same thing as in a bulletproof vest. A bulletproof vest is able to absorb the energy from that penetration. The same thing when you punch something, you're moving something, you already prepared your body to absorb the contact, the impact before it comes. But those who are boxing and missing, and you ever watch boxing, and the commentary I see is about to box himself out, because he's swinging and missing. It profits nothing. Paul said, nor do I run aimlessly. Someone who does not know where they're going, you don't want to follow them. They're not going to make it to the end. Just as in the marathon, I can't remember the lady's name, but she won a marathon and set a record, but she ran aimlessly. She took a subway train and came out where the finish line was. <laughs> Put water over her body, act like she was sweating. She ran the race. And everybody celebrated her. But everybody else cried out, cheat, cheat. Because she ran aimlessly. She did not run to win the race. She just wanted to be known. Many of us are running a race just to be known. You might be known for 15 minutes, but you won't be known after that. Because when you do not run with a purpose, you do not run with discipline, it's going to show up in the end. It's the first year of 2009. You're starting out with a purpose, and you start out with some good intentions. But are you disciplined enough? To follow through. Paul is saying, look here. Run in such a way to win. Because look how I run. I, I don't run aimlessly. I, I don't box like I'm flailing in the air, looking disqualified, looking uh, uncoordinated. But no, I'm boxing with a purpose. I'm ducking and weaving. I'm, I'm jabbing. I'm pinpointing my punches. I'm running with purpose. I, I see the finish line. I know where I'm headed to. And I'm doing this all. Because that when I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What is Paul saying? He's saying here that I'm saying one thing. I got to make sure I live what I'm saying. I can't say it and not live it. Then I'll be disqualified. Saul told the people what to do, but he did not do it. I'm sorry, I said Paul, but Saul, King Saul. King Saul told people to do it, but he did not do it. He was disqualified. When you do not do what God has called you to do, when your actions do not line up with the word of God, watch out from being disqualified. You want to know another example? Look at Moses. God told Moses to speak to the rock. But Moses' character showed out. Moses was known to get hot-headed sometimes. Matter of fact, when Moses was just 40 years old, he got hot-headed seeing an Egyptian beating down his brothers. 
Because Moses realized that he was a Hebrew, and he saw another Hebrew getting beat down. So Moses came down and killed the Egyptian. Moses got caught up and looked left, <laughs> looked right. I'm going to let you know, whenever you got to look left, look right before you do something, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. And Moses covered up his tracks. Thought he was all right. But yet, someone found out. No matter the dirt you do, I guarantee somebody can find your dirt. No matter what lock you put on that closet, all your skeletons, guarantee somebody knows how to pick <laughs> that lock. I'm telling you, you think you can do something in the dark and it will not be revealed to the light. But I want you to understand that Jesus is the light. And I'm telling you that he can reveal some things you don't want to be revealed, but by his grace. But Paul is pointing out here that you know yourself what you ought to do. And when you know what you ought to do, you should do it and not just say it. Paul saying, I've been preaching to others. So I, my life needs to line up so I won't be disqualified. Paul realized that I, too, need to run this race in such a way to achieve a crown that will not perish. I need to discipline myself. And I want you to look closely to verse 27. In the, in the King James Version, it says, I, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In the Greek, in, the, in there, in that word, he, he talks about when it says to bring it under to subjection. The word in there starts off with doulos, and doulos means slave. Paul is saying, I beat my body metaphorically, mentally, in order so it be a slave. Many times in our life, we don't want to be a slave to anything. We, 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 we talk about our jobs, how we are, you know, paying, getting paid a minimum wage, how we're slave workers being paid wages. You know how sometimes you don't like your job, you feel like a slave, you feel unappreciated. Paul says, you know what, I will beat my body to make it a slave to what? To God's will. Some people take this text to talk about how you got to mark your body and beat it down uh, uh, literally. But no, Paul is talking about in the same process of training that you have to discipline yourself. You need to take any thought that's not of God and bring it under subjection of Jesus. That's what he wrote in Philippians. Think of these such things, anything that's of worthy, anything of honor, anything of worthy. Think of these such things. You see, pretty much we could bring your body into slavery to bring your body into subjection begins with your heart. If your heart's not right, your body soon enough is going to sow it. Physically and spiritually. Think about it. If your heart not working right, bodies fall down. Spiritually, your heart not right, relationships fall down. Jobs fall down. It's just amazing that when your heart's not right, I, I know for myself, when my heart has not been right, I've been doing some ugly things. And then, and then the sad thing is that when your heart's not right, you don't want to go somewhere where it's going to reflect it. So the last place you might see someone is in the church. The last place you might see someone is in the prayer house. The last place you might see them is with their word open. Because when your heart's not right, you don't want to hear what you need to do. And that's why it's shocking. That, that many of those who have heart attacks early enough live longer than those 
who find it later in life. Why? Because they change their habits. It's amazing how a tragic situation in your life will cause you to finally change. Saul, Saul was saying right here, Paul is saying right here, before that happens, discipline yourself now. So you will not be caught in the emergency room. So you will not find yourself disqualified. Discipline yourself now. Bring your body into slavery, into subjection now. So you can finish well. Because if you finish well, you won't be disqualified. They won't come and try to take your goals. They won't come and try to take your belt. But they can't take it because you earned it. You won it the right way. Look at Jesus. How did our Jesus run? Did he run in such a way to obtain the crown? Did our Jesus run well? Did our Jesus put his own body under subjection and slavery? Let's look at that for a moment. When you train your body, physically, when you are doing weightlifting and training. And I see my big brother, Brother Kedra, that's a bigger, he's bigger muscles. He I don't got muscles like him, but he, he can lift up some 200 pounds. That's more weight than me, and that's why I don't go near those kind of weights. He can bench press and do all that good stuff that I wish I could do. I wish I could be big, man. And he can build, but when you do that, when you do that, you know what you do? You are tearing your muscles. You're tearing your muscles, and then the blood rushes and builds itself back up, and that's how you become stronger. That's why you're able to push away those, deep, those linemen away out the way so you can cast those touchdown pads like my man can do over there. You know, that's when you build up your muscles. So I got them sneeze lick muscles. I can jab and punch, but I won't be able to body slam you. But when you break down those muscles, you're able to build it back up. Our Jesus was broken down for our transgressions. Our Jesus realized that I am about to run this race, but I'm about to suffer so many things. He told it to the disciples. It says, look here, the son of man must suffer many things. He must be rejected. He must be crucified. But three days later, <laughs> he's going to get up back again. And, and so the son of man ran the race. He ran the race so much that people try to tell him, don't you know, Herod is trying to kill you. <laughs> but my Jesus said, tell that fox. <laughs> I'm going to be there, but three days, I'm going to rise again. He saw the prize. He knew his purpose. He knew that I saw the joy of the cross. Oh, Jesus, I saw the joy of the cross to die for your sin. Out, oh, Jesus, when they hung him up on the cross, he was still up there with a purpose, saying, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, he ran the race. He who, who, who knew no sin became sin. Jesus was not disqualified because he knew no sin. But he became sin so that we won't be rejected from the Father. And Jesus, look how he finished. He finished well. They thought they killed him. But Jesus says, I will lay my life down <laughs> and I will pick it back up again. Our Jesus was up there on the cross, still talking. And he said, it is finished. And do you know that our Jesus was not disqualified, 
but he was exalted to the right hand of the Father. He went down with some nail prints in his hands. But when he rose again, he had the keys ahead in his hand. He went down without a trumpet, without a sound. But one day he's going to come on back with a trumpet blast to announce him the victor, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And I want you to understand, because Jesus has run the race and has finished well for us, the same can happen to you. You need to be obedient to Christ and stay disciplined in your ministry. You need to stay disciplined in your life. You need to pray every day and read your word every day and say, Lord, I want to finish well. I want to say and do the same things. I want to be obedient to your will because I'm glad today that you saved me. I'm glad that I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb because I know there's a place for me over in glory. But while I'm here in the land of the living, you have given me a race I need to run and I can run it through the power of your Holy Spirit. The enemy's trying to distract me. The enemy's trying to make me be undisciplined. But I see what your word tells me to be myself into subjects. And I want you to grab this. This as Jesus finished well and was exalted to the right hand of the Father. Jesus taught the parable about such as the kingdom of God. Those who exalt themselves will be humiliated. Uh, those who cheat to win <laughs> have been humiliated. Those that take shortcuts have been humiliated. But those who are faithful to the end, <laughs> Jesus says, when you humble yourself, then you will be exalted. I want you to humble yourself. Discipline yourself. Trust God better than you can trust a quick fix. Trust God with his word and listen to and obey it as it is true. And you will see how you will run in such a way to win the prize. You'll run in such a way that you don't look aimless, but you look as you're running with a purpose. You'll be able to box, not if you're failing in the air, looking like you don't know what you're doing, but you'll be able to box with position. You'll be able to stand like Saul and preach God's word, and people say, I see him or her living God's word. Don't be disqualified. Don't stop your ministry short. I want you to grab this. Saul was not talking about being disqualified, that he'd be rejected from God. But Paul was talking about, I don't want to stop until God has called me home. Many of us have been called to greater things, but yet we've cheated and God has removed us from that position where we'd like to be. But if we just waited on the Lord, you have seen some greater things. Let God guide you. Let you be submissive to his will. And see how God can take you like Hussein Bolt and Barack Obama. That you can set records. That you can set standards. 
that people have not seen before. That people will talk about you and say, I've seen some miraculous things happen in your life. You've blessed me in awesome ways. You can see change happen when you allow God to use you. So don't be disqualified. But run with purpose. Run with discipline. Run with submission. So you can finish well. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Someone here today who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to share with you what God's word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the cross and rose again from the grave, you shall be saved. For you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. And all the word says, and all who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the reason why is this, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you do believe that Jesus is the son of God, you do believe he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose again from the grave. You shall be saved, for you confess it with your mouth, and you believe it in your heart. We just want to lead you in that confession. If you just repeat this prayer after me, God knows your heart. He sees you right where you are. He's known what you have done, and he loves you beyond that. He loves you so much, he sent Jesus to die for you. So just repeat this prayer after me, just saying, Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And, Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for saving me. And, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. That my life will now be living for you. Still, every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you pray that prayer for the first time, raise your hand if that's you. If that's you. If that's you. If that's you. you. Father, Lord, we thank you that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Father, that Jesus has called us into fellowship with him. And now, Lord, we want to run a race that is pleasing to you. Father, we want to be obedient to you, God, until you call us home. We don't want to stop early, but we want to stop when you call us home. Father, we do not want to be disqualified. But we want to serve you, Father, faithfully and true. We thank you, Father, for your great mercies and your blessings on us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Let your church say amen, amen, amen.